0: was unprecedented in audacity and scope. Russian spies went rummaging through the digital files of the U.S. Departments of Justice, State, Treasury, Energy, and Commerce, and for nine months had unfettered access to top-level communications, court documents, even nuclear secrets. And by all accounts, it's still going on. That's from 60 Minutes on Sunday night talking about what they call the Solar Winds hack because Solar Winds is a popular piece of software that most people have never heard of, but most big companies had in their system. And somehow, likely the Russians were able to, uh, to, to break into the, the, the coding of that particular piece of software and in fact, 18,000 organizations around the world and all their computers, and the virus is still spreading. It is still doing damage, um, and it is considered the biggest, most damaging hack in world history.
1: Now, as a guy who knows how to reboot but little else, I do uh, confess it's impressive that they came up with the idea of not hacking into computer systems, but hacking into something that systems would willingly take in popular software. I mean that's that's a brilliant move.
0: Yeah, so a couple what of What are they uh, looking for? What are they doing? What are they up to? Well, they they could they, they could be doing anything obviously as as was just said there. Um nuclear secrets, court records for for practically everybody. I mean just just endless information rummaging around businesses and the government. I would almost think you'd have a problem of drinking from a fire hose. Um, in terms of you know getting stuff that you're going to be able to be, you know, be actionable on, whether it's blackmailing somebody or whatever. I mean, there would just be so damned much information coming your way.
1: Yeah, but I'm sure they have departments, you know, with a director yeah. and then a layer below him and a layer below him, tasked with specific, uh, well,
0: tasks. Well, one thing the 60 Minutes piece pointed out is that these were no dummies, and again, most people are speculating it's the Russians or they feel our government feels like they're pretty certain it's the Russians that this was not have been easy to do. Microsoft has 500 engineers working on trying to end this damn thing currently. But they said it's brilliant code and it probably took at least a thousand really qualified engineers to write the code to make this complicated virus malware thing happen. So this wow. is really, really top-level, best-of-the-best stuff coming out of Russia, which is pretty frightening. Uh, it was Yeah,
1: w- w- I was just going to say, with all due uh, respect to Russia's economic problems and their political repression and the rest of it, technically speaking, I mean, we depended on them to bring us back and forth to the International Space Station for a long time. Um, their uh, their uh, vaccine seems to be performing quite well. They're a technically advanced country. And, and they have some pretty malign intent, obviously.
0: Well, it got through our multi-billion dollar defense system that we've got for this very sort of thing. Uh, they were able to get around that. And it's just luck that um, it was discovered. So FireEye is a popular um, uh, software and company that you can hire to do computer security for your business. And they, they hunt, find, and expel cyber intruders, according to something I just read. There you go. They accidentally found it, and the way they found it was they have two uh, double authentication, like you might have at work, like we have here. Like we get into our website, and it says, okay, now we're going to send a code to your cell phone. And, you, you know, you know how that works, so gonna, you get a code. And then you type that into your cell phone, and it shows, okay, so you got the password for this computer. You also are holding the cell phone that got this code. That probably mm-hmm. means you're the right person. Well, there at the FireEye, they were going through that stuff, and they they just happened to see that somebody had two phones listed for their double-secret you know, authentication, authentication
1: thing. Yeah, and
0: yeah. Uh, why do they have two phones? So they contacted that employee and said, why do you have two phones? And they said, I don't. Oh, and that's how they found out. It was just kind of accidentally. Yeah. And that's that's how um, uh, the Russians were were ooching around in their software. They launched it from servers inside the United States, which was very clever. Our NSA is really good around the world at seeking this stuff out. But the NSA, for good reason, is not allowed to do anything internally. The NSA does things externally only in other countries. Well, the Russians launched this from servers inside the United States so that they would be outside the watchful eye of the NSA, and that's how they got it going. Right. And and, listen, I may be missing something
1: here. But a couple of years ago, several years ago, when the new season, I think it was the final season of the Benedict Cumberbatch uh, Martin Freeman series of Sherlock was on, it debuted in Britain before the U.S. And uh, a, a close relative of mine who may look just like me, but be a good deal younger, um, he sent us a link so that we could impersonate a British uh, computer, essentially. And so we became Brits for the evening to watch the new season. And if I can do that, really?
0: What? I I mean, that's like if I can do that. Yeah, that's that's VPN stuff. Uh, That's very common and not at all difficult to do. Wow! How cool is that?
1: It, it, hello. Uh, we uh, I spoke with an accent the entire
0: Most evening. commonly probably used. To cover my trail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for streaming purposes like this, but also very common in the gambling worlds, where various countries right. allow sports gambling, so you, you pretend your computer is from somewhere where that's allowed. You did uh, two different kinds of British accent there, though. You just did like but a really throw them off. upper class, <laughs> and then you were kind of a Cockney yeah. barroom. That's shirt.
1: right. What's all this, then? <laughs> sure, I used a variety. <laughs> Hello! Oh, so,
0: yeah, if I can do
1: that, then old fancy bear, or cuddly bear, or brown bear, or whatever the hell bear they got to the spy in order, uh, I'm sure that's, please, old hat.
0: One thing they said on 60 Minutes, and I, I wish they'd have drilled down on this because this continues to vex me. I don't understand. Uh, some officials said this came just short of what would be considered a, uh, you know, an uh, an official attack or something like that. I don't understand how much damage does a country need to do before it's retaliated militarily. Well, I I wonder if it's because they didn't... You did way more damage than if you had blown up some government building in the middle of Nebraska. But if you did that, I assume we would launch bombers immediately.
1: Right. You know, the world is still wrestling with that because, I mean, I could see where for instance sanctions could do enormous economic damage but that's not usually seen as an act of war true so i mean if it if they were to shut down the power grid to the entire northeast united states and uh, would that be enough because that would cause enormous you know pain angst death uh, misery, economic uh, suffering. I'm, I wonder if that would be considering considered an act of war.
0: You weren't here on Friday. Uh, we had Mike Lyons on and the, the scenario we got into, because this is what I'm worried about. Um, you had uh, that numbnuts, I shouldn't use a funny term, evil, crazy scumbag guy in Nashville who had that truck bomb that oh, right, luckily yeah. didn't kill anybody, but it shut off people's cell phones over like a quarter of the country. For an entire afternoon by blowing mm-hmm. up that building there. Um And then you had the, uh, you know, the, the attack on the water plant there in Florida and that sort of thing. Chilling. M- yep. My concern is some sort of attack that shuts down our cell phones. All of a sudden, you know, our water is undrinkable. And I don't know, the power grid, you know, for, for a couple of big cities. That is then, not beyond the realm of possibility at it all. It seems to be completely possible. But that's when you launch your actual military attack. If you're China, or or maybe you just close off the shipping lanes there in the you know the China Sea, or you you move on Taiwan or whatever, and we're dealing. Can you imagine the panic that would occur in the United States if the, if that happened all of a sudden? We're so we're so used to our instantaneous communication. If all of a sudden, our if our if our internet was down and our cell phones were shut, and then you started getting word that something militarily was happening, we'd go we'd go crazy. We'd lose our minds as a collectively as a nation. Hey. The way impeachment turned out on Saturday is wild if you weren't paying attention, and I hope you weren't, but it was really an interesting end. People are still trying to figure out what happened and the results of that. What's going to come out of the impeachment vote? Well, maybe a third party. That seems to be what most Republicans want. All that on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we'll get into the uh, how the impeachment turned out on Saturday at the bottom of the hour. It takes a little time to tell the story. If you didn't watch it for for a while, it was really, really exciting. I thought they were going to call witnesses. Man, I thought this is going to get crazy. And I thought, man, there's a chance Trump's going to get convicted, too. Um, but then the, the Democrats caved for some reason, which still is not completely clear to everyone. Um, but we'll have that story uh, at hmm. the bottom. It's a hell of a tale, too. Drama
1: behind the scenes. So I came across this article Four reasons experts say coronavirus cases are dropping in the U.S. I thought it was interesting. Uh, they think, uh, let's see, who do they quote here? Old, uh, old man Frieden. Frieden, is that his name? Yeah, Tom Frieden, who used to run the FDA. He was talking to Fried Zakaria. He says, uh, I don't think the vaccine is having much of an impact at all on case rates. It's what we're doing right, staying apart, wearing masks, not traveling, not mixing with others indoor. Um, so scrolling, 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 keep them doggies scrolling. Um. <laughs> but they think it's just it's a combination of uh you know a small but significant uh people a number of people have been vaccinated a significant number of people have had the damn vid we're taking reasonable precautions reasonable personal precautions and uh, and it's it's working on the other hand um it's entirely possible that everything I just said and everything the experts have said is wrong, and it comes roaring back in an unexpected way because that's been the history of this thing. But I tell you what, one of the most interesting revelations I've heard, Jack, is what you were saying earlier, comparing and contrasting Florida and California's approaches.
0: Yeah, they've looked at the numbers after a year. Um, they California and Florida had peaks at different times, and people were trying to draw all kinds of analysis from that. But if you look at it at the end of a year, the per 100,000 deaths, hospitalizations, everything like that, are almost the same. The numbers match up really similar between California and Florida, who took vastly different approaches to it. California shut down hard. Florida didn't shut down hardly at all and ended up with roughly the same result.
1: Well, and I stand ready to be contradicted if the facts change, but... Doesn't that just isn't that a, a ironclad argument for air to the side of economic openness sure so course. you don't crush people economically speaking and obviously getting the freaking kids back in school oh one more thought from the experts from this article uh the one uh, gal who's a professor of epidemiology at Boston New- university said there's so much emphasis on vaccine distribution right now, it's getting harder to get tested, and she's worried that there are just all sorts of asymptomatic cases that are going undetected because people aren't getting tested. Um, you know, I'm not sure I'd buy that, but it's possible.
0: I, but one... I, I wear a mask. I believe Go in ahead. masks. I believe they work. I don't believe it's taking away my freedom to wear a mask or anything like that. That's my position on the mask. I wish there was somehow... I don't want mask police... Or anything like that. Businesses, though. Make your employees wear real masks. We were at a, a, a store yesterday, and there was a guy, uh, big guy at the front of the store. He was actually the one enforcing that you have to have a mask on before you come in. But he was just wearing that super thin, sheer gator thing over his face that studies have shown well, are worst, useless. worse than wearing nothing. And it seems to be... I'm making assumptions about people based on how they look, but it seems to be the go-to of the, I'm, nobody's going to make me a wear a mask crowd. Like the people that Mm -hmm. really don't want to wear a mask, they're grudgingly because they have to. Okay. I'll do this, but I don't like it. And they're doing harm. It's, it's a, it's a health danger to me and my family coming into your store. Make your damn employees wear actual masks. You can control them. You can't. I, you know, I don't want the government trying to ticket people on the street for wearing fake masks. But make your employees wear real sure. masks. Yeah, okay. So on that topic, and
1: again, erring to the side of openness, uh, we mentioned this briefly earlier. I think it's worth drilling down on at least slightly. Uh, alert listener Kevin has sent us along. Um, well, I'll just read it. To you. it sets it up quite nicely. I can't help but comment on the egregious, the egregious guidance put out by the CDC, which if followed would effectively keep schools shuttered indefinitely. Compare a map of where school is currently open. You know what occurs to me? I ought to send this along to Hanson so he can post it at armstrongandgetty.com. I'll do that during the commercials. But he sent us the actual map shown in shades of purple, purple being a full five-day in-person school. And then light is remote learning, and then other shades are hybrid or mixed. And there are vast swaths of the country, particularly in the more conservative parts in Florida, that are full-on five days a week in-person school, just cranking along. And then he sent along the map that shows uh, county by county in America where people are, uh, where the counties are according to the CDC guidelines. How many cases do you have? How's the hospitalization? Et cetera. And the long and short of it is that the CDC guidance that was just put out would effectively close virtually all of the schools that are open right now, five days a week, or, or, or close to it, in person and doing great. That's how ridiculous, corrupt, and politically motivated that uh, CDC guidance for schools is. It's
0: awful. Yeah, I saw somebody tweet out, all these pundits on cable news act like schools haven't been open in Florida since August. Um, Yeah, I know. There's a lot of talk as if there aren't schools already all over the country that are open and doing fine. Here's how you open the schools. Open the schools. Yeah, you just open them. You just open them. You have people wear masks.
1: Yeah. And I'm looking at, you know, Texas and Florida and uh, Arkansas and Iowa and Nebraska, both Dakotas, uh, a big, huge part of Minnesota, just not Minneapolis, um, That are, oh, a big, huge part of Michigan, the more conservative northern parts of Michigan are open five days a week in person. But the CDC would shut them down even though they're not having any problems.
0: And how tell weird you what, it, is it that kids are in school or not in school based on the politics locally and not yeah. the science, which... That was such a rallying cry for so long during this following a combination the of
1: being a slave to the teachers unions and anti-Trump, well, Trump derangement syndrome. It's really, but this is no way to run a country, folks. And the people who are not following the science are the ones most proudly bellowing, "We're following the science."
0: What price will Republicans pay for their vote in the impeachment? Not really probably any at all based on mm. previous impeachments. And you can look at the numbers and, and show that what happened on Saturday um, and how it all played out. I thought there for a while they were going to this was going to go drag on for months and Trump might get convicted. And then it was over in the blink of an eye. That story on the way.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Two-thirds of the senators present, not having found him guilty of the charge contained therein, it is therefore ordered and adjudged that the said Donald John Trump be, and he is hereby acquitted of the charge in said article.
0: There you go, the world's oldest man announcing an end to the impeachment.
1: (laughs) I was just going to say,
0: is anybody in the government less than 90? (laughs) Jeez. My takeaway from the impeachment stuff over the weekend was too much mumbling. Way too much mumbling. It ended exactly the way everybody expected, but in between, there at the end, there was some serious excitement going on if you didn't follow it over the weekend, and I hope that you didn't. On Friday night, this Representative Jamie herrera Butler of Washington, uh, news came out that she was aware of a phone call between Kevin McCarthy and Donald Trump during the assault on the Capitol. She uh, had been told by Kevin McCarthy what happened during this phone call. So Kevin McCarthy and the other House members and everybody else had gone into a bunker and were hiding as people were attacking the Capitol. And everybody was trying to get Trump on the phone saying, dude, call call him off, say something, get them to stop, you know, trying to hang Mike Pence and everything else. <laughs> Among others. Among others. Um, and Kevin McCarthy finally got a hold of Trump. Well, I'll just read uh, her description of it. When Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy finally reached the president on January 6th and asked him to publicly and forcefully call off the riot, the president initially repeated the falsehood that it was Antifa that had breached the Capitol. McCarthy refuted, uh, refuted that and told the president that these were Trump supporters. That's when, according to McCarthy, the president said, well, Kevin, I guess the people are more upset about the election than you are. To which Kevin McCarthy said, who the F do you think you're talking to? Ooh. According to this Herrera woman, so when this story broke on Friday, uh, the 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 left wing of the Democrats said, "Okay, you got to call witnesses." This Herrera woman said, "I'm willing to testify under oath on this," and she said, "I ask all patriots who have more information about what happened on that day to come forward, including people that were with Trump, you know, in the uh, in, in the White House while it was going on, and other anybody else would have any more info." Uh, so there was a real push from people who were serious about impeaching and removing and barring Trump from future office. Uh, But they did not win the day as the crowd that was just going through this for a show and just wanted to get Republicans on the record with a certain vote so they could run ads for the 2022 election. That crowd won the day. And it looked like there were going to be... Uh, witnesses there for just a little bit. The Democrats announced we're going to call witnesses. The Republican said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, you talk what are you talking about?" The Republican defense lawyers for Trump got up there and said, "Okay, we're going to call a hundred witnesses, a hundred witnesses, and it'll take months to get through this." Now that was a bit of a um a, a fake strategy in that it takes fifty votes to call any witness you the the senate gets to vote on whether or not you're calling the witness and the democrats have the votes to stop that from happening so the republicans couldn't call 100 people that the democrats don't want to talk to well hang on
1: though could they call them and force a vote on each one of them
0: i think you have the vote first that's the way it was portrayed to me i could be wrong about that well well, that's what i'm saying
1: though I mean, I'd say all right in the impeachment of Jack Armstrong, I call Michelangelo, and then we have to have a big the, the vote. And no, act of, I lose that vote.
0: Yeah, the simple act of voting down their nominations gums up the works for mm. a certain amount of and time. And then I would call Positive Sean,
1: and he would testify at length, probably. And uh, but the, the Senate would have to vote on that, and then I'd call five hundred and six people and have to have five hundred and six votes. That would be gum in the works enough.
0: Um. Well, you could certainly start with that woman and see if you get any uh, public um, movement in the polls. And the polls were were uh, not exactly in Trump's favor to start with on people feeling like he was responsible for the sacking of the Capitol. Um, you get a couple of witnesses to show up and tell some stories, you could, you could have gotten some movement. That. But anyway, ultimately, mm-hmm. to me, it just means, and uh, also a number of publications like the Washington Post, their official... Five takeaways from the impeachment that day were the Democrats caved. They weren't serious mm. about impeaching Trump, but that was the Washington Post's take on it. Um, the Democrats were not serious about getting to the bottom of what happened and having the president, as they believe should happen, pay a price for it, pay the legal penalty for it. They weren't serious about that at all. If they were, they'd have gone forward with witnesses and you take however long it's going to take and you fight to the to the very end. But they were not interested in that at all.
1: Well, no, as you pointed out last week, they knew that was a pretty tough hill to climb, and so instead they went for the second best, which is tar Republicans with
0: acquit votes. So that's, the and, c- and, right. so that's the cynicism on the side of the Democrats. The cynicism on the side of the Republicans is a lot of people have said that if you had a secret vote, he would be convicted, but people would have to have their name on the vote. Um, most people didn't want to get on the wrong side of the Trump voter because Trump is a very, very popular politician. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so he got quite easily acquitted. The interesting thing is what Mitch McConnell said though. So Mitch McConnell votes no on the convicting the president, but then what he said in his statement after the vote, uh, is, was really pretty, some strong, harsh stuff. And we'll have that for you next. Yeah, after a quick word a word from our friends at CarShield and thanks to CarShield,
1: you can have maximum safety on the road for a low month to month cost. They protect you from expensive car repairs. In fact, plans from CarShield can save you thousands for a covered repair.
0: So, to me, this this is an indication of how good CarShield is. They're right now helping over a million drivers. They're America's number 1 auto protection company already. As people find out, you can sign up for this quickly. You can get out of it quickly. they got different plans for whatever your situation is, and you still get to use your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work. Uh, Even if your car breaks down while you're traveling, the choice of a repair shop is still up to you with CarShield.
1: Yep, and payments are flexible, too. Plans are customizable to your exact needs. So check into it. Call, if you like, 800-665-2157. That's 800-665-2157. Use the code ARMSTRONG. Or visit CarShield.com and use that code Armstrong to save 10%. CarShield.com. Use the code Armstrong. A deductible may apply. CarShield.com. Code Armstrong.
0: Here's a little bit of what Mitch McConnell said in his speech after he voted no.
1: President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office. As an ordinary citizen. Unless the statute of limitations is run, still liable for everything he did while he's in office. Didn't get away with anything yet. Yeah. We have a criminal justice system in this country. We have civil litigation. And former presidents are not immune from being accountable by either one.
0: Mitch McConnell went on to say, Mr. President, these people were carrying banners with your name on it. You instigated this. And while it was going on, you didn't do anything. You abdicated your duty, and it, and what you just heard him say there. The president has not gotten away with anything yet, so I don't know what Mitch McConnell's signaling there.
1: Well, uh, I know the answer to this question, but how in the world could Mitch McConnell, having said that, have voted to acquit?
0: Uh, he, well, a, a lot of people have a problem with this reasoning. He said he doesn't believe that you can impeach somebody once they're out of office. He's the one that didn't allow the trial to occur until after Trump was out of office because <laughs> he of was still the held
1: on to the articles for quite a while, too. Yeah,
0: but he was still the Senate majority leader and he could have scheduled the trial to start, you know, at least a day before. So it would have sure. technically started before sure. Trump was out of office. He waited until after and then said, well, you can't do it now. It's after. <laughs> so,
1: that's well, kind as of you've funny. said. You can't be cynical enough about
0: either side. Although his argument about the January exception, that was the article—the the argument Democrats were making, the January exception is, well, if we go with this standard, then a president in the last month could do anything and get away with it. Well, it'll be a January exception to being you know, uh, prosecutable, and he's saying, well, there's not, because we still have a court of law. If you violate the law, you can still be prosecuted in all kinds of different courts once you're a private citizen. and he Yeah, sounded but that's like, a different question. It is. It absolutely is. Um uh, but it sounded like he was hinting that Trump can and should be. He hasn't gotten away with anything yet. So I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I th- that
1: was beyond a hint. That was, that was a statement. It was practically a threat. Hey, real quickly, just because I like the art of politics, even when it makes me sick, so you reported on that alleged conversation between Kevin McCarthy and the president during the siege of the Capitol, even as Steve McCarthy's under his desk, hoping not to get hanged on the same <laughs> scaffold as Mike Pence. Right. Um, he's he's allegedly on the phone pleading with the president to call off the uh, the rabbit. Um, according to uh, one of Trump's uh, attorneys, uh, Van Der Veen, what's his first name? Well, uh, old man Van Der Veen, he says, Of of this alleged conversation, first of all, it's my understanding, it's been reported, and he uses finger quotes, that Mr. McCarthy disclaims the rumors. That's been the basis of this morning's attacks. Really, rumors that have been the basis, the entire proceeding. The entire proceeding is based on rumor, report, innuendo. There's nothing to it, and they didn't do their work.
0: Yeah, and then how does that get handled usually in a court of law? And I realize this is not a court of law. It's a political thing, but how does that usually get handled? You call witnesses. You call witnesses, and you ask them. Oh, Joe Under Getty with in the
1: bank with a gun pointed at the teller has been reported. The innuendos
0: about Joe demanding sex. It's been reported. Yeah, yeah. So, so as, you, you know, as you asked the other day, because this was all a sham, Nancy Pelosi didn't get any Republicans involved in being House managers when she could have. She didn't let any Republicans speak when she could have. Some of them wanted to speak. She didn't give them time. She didn't pull in Republicans to write the articles of impeachment. And say, hey, what? How would we write these to get more of you on board? It was a sham from the beginning. It was a cynical maneuver from the beginning. They weren't actually trying to go after this president while they were saying this is the worst thing that's ever happened in our country's history. They weren't actually trying to pursue it, right? But what you asked the other day is, is this the way the Andrew Johnson impeachment was? I mean, or is this all this backstory that we don't know about now because it was lost to history? And a hundred years from now, will anybody know that this wasn't a real attempt? Everything that was going on behind the scenes, it was all about positioning for the 22-22 election? Probably not. That's,
1: that's too much nuance. That's too many layers for history. History likes to really oversimplify
0: everything. I, to, I have a feeling you're right. I want to get to this before I run out of time, and I don't want to bring impeachment back up again. Um I thought this was really interesting. Byron York wrote this, because the, the word all day long from the... um uh, you know, the, the liberal mainstream media was these Republicans are going to pay a price for this. People will remember forever throughout history how they voted on this. And I thought, throughout history? I'm not even sure they're <laughs> going to remember in, in a year and a half, let alone throughout history. But Byron York wrote, In the last three impeach- impeachments, it has been common for Democrats' media culturati to threaten Republicans with revenge and long-lasting recriminations. In Bill Clinton's impeachment... Princeton historian Sean Willens famously told the GOP, history will track you down and condemn you for your craveness. Uh, but in fact, the GOP went on to win the House in 98, 2000, 2002, and 2004, and then lost in 2006 for reasons entirely unrelated to the Clinton impeachment. History must still be hunting them down, just slowly. <laughs> Similarly, if less ornate threats were made against Republicans in the first Trump impeachment, but that was remarkable. What was remarkable, but that was how little impeachment just months earlier factored into the 2020 election, which, by the way, the House Democrats actually lost seats. Yeah. Now, after a second Trump impeachment, more threats from uh, to track Trump acquitting Republicans to the ends of the earth. One Hollywood director vows to devote the rest of his life to the political eradication of the un-American GOP senators who chose to acquit. Ah, and, and Byron up. York said, maybe this time will be different, but emotions are high now, and time they will cool for most people. If not the most ardent resistance, an aftermath of this impeachment will likely be similar to the others. Nobody's going to pay a political price for their impeachment vote. At least they haven't in the past. Right. And one final thought for me
1: Um it's worth noting that some of the Republicans might have been casting a Jerry Ford sure. vote. A, let's get this behind oh. us and move on with the nation's business. And
0: a lot of Democrats who who thought, yeah, if we brought witnesses, we maybe we could convict, but let's just get this over with. Right, right. And you know what? I have some
1: sympathy for that view. Even if you thought Trump was guilty, and I realize quite a few of you think he is not, um, I could see that being one more reason to just move a heck on down the road.
0: And it is over, and we will move on down the road. So that is that. Uh, if you have any comment on any of that, text line is 415-295-KFTC.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: To mention one thing on impeachment that I got. It. Senator Chris Coons, it, it, he uh, got quoted to several times on Saturday. He went over to the crowd and said, Hey, everybody wants to get home for Valentine's Day. The jury is ready to vote. Let's end this. Can you believe he actually said that out loud? Who, who said that? Senator Chris Coons. We got what? Va- everybody has Valentine's Day plans. Oh, shut up. It's a fake holiday. No, but that's like it. But that it's been known for years that that's the way Congress often works. That the deadline is: I got dinner reservations, and I got a golf trip planned, and I got hotel, you know, whatever. That's how you're going to end impeachment with. People have got plans. They need to get to the airport.
1: Well, yeah, that is the way you're going to end it. If it's all phony, if it's all for show, if it's all a political gesture, so unbelievable. Brought you this story earlier. I think it was last week about this school in one of the most expensive parts of the country, Cupertino, California. C- Cupertino, where uh, Apple is. Um, what, what didn't O'Reilly used to have follow-up segment or something like that on his show? Body Can't language. Remember. Well, no, <laughs> yeah, I know he had that. But <laughs> anyway, uh, so this is this is this R.I. Meyerholz Elementary School where a math class. Stopped teaching math and instead did a lesson on social identities. Asked all the third graders, I think it's third graders, these are like eight-year-olds? To uh, create an identity map listing their race, class, gender, religion, family structure, and other characteristics, the teacher, the math teacher, keep in mind, explained that the students live in a dominant culture of white, middle-class, cisgender-educated, able-bodied Christian English speakers who have created and maintained this culture in order to hold power and stay in power. These are all quotes now. Then, reading from the book, this book is anti-racist, again in math class? The students learned that those with privilege have power over others and that folks with an X who do not benefit from their social identities who are in subordinate culture have little to no privilege or power and on and on and on and on. Well, and then uh, following the discussion, the teachers had the students deconstruct their own intersectional identities and circle the identities that hold power and privilege on their identity maps, etc., etc. this whole racist cult of anti-racism. Well, it did, uh, the follow-up segment, It did cause an immediate uproar among parents. We were shocked, said one parent. They were basically teaching racism to my 8-year-old. This parent, who is Asian American, rallied a group of a half-dozen families to protest the school's intersectionality curriculum. They met with the school principal, demanded an end to the racially divisive instruction. After a tense meeting, the administration agreed to suspend the program. Listen to what the spokeshole for the school said. The principal said the training was not part of the formal curricula, but the process of daily learning facilitated by a certified teacher. Wait
0: a second. Not part of the formula, not part of the regular curriculum, but part of the daily formula. The hell is that Uh, part of the uh, process of daily learning? Yeah. If you teach something every day, that's part of your curriculum, I would say.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Now, the irony police have donned the riot gear to respond to this story. Because despite being ninety four percent non white, this school, Meyerholtz Elementary, is one of the most privileged schools in America. Median household income in Cupertino is one hundred and seventy two grand. Eighty percent of the residents have bachelor's degree or higher. Uh, the majority of families are Asian American. The students have exceptionally high rates of academic achievement. School ranks in the top one percent of all elementary schools statewide. In short, nobody at Meyerholz is oppressed, and the school's high achieving parents know that teaching intersectionality instead of math is a waste of time and potentially dangerous. But they shut them down, thankfully. And, you know, I'm sure the woke crowd would say, well, uh, even though they're they're non-white, although Asians are white when it's convenient for the woke crowd and non-white when it's uh, more convenient for them to be that.
0: I hope with one thing with impeachment over, and I think we're not going to hear much about Trump for a while, um eugene robinson in the washington post let's move on from trump he's saying just forget about it let's just move on um you know and he's he's a liberal writer just let's do other things i would hope we we would start getting into some of this stuff the do we want anti-racism taught in schools or uh you know uh, how how many stimulus packages should we pass for for how much money and all these different sorts of things could actually make their way into cable news conversations Right. Yeah, the, the
1: great or liberal somewhere. gatekeepers have been standing in the way of that. One of the problems with leaving Trump behind is Trump was the main guy standing up against the crap I was just talking about. Right. Pretty much the only so People have
0: affection for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's a decent point. i got another example of that whole anti-racist thing. We'll have to get to that next hour.
1: Armstrong and Getty.